Cool. That's way better. Hey, guys. I'm pretty excited to be able to share stuff that God's put on my heart, like just to share with you guys. I don't need this tool. I just want it kind of out of the way so I can find it when I want it. Um, so, yeah, uh, divine encounters. What's a divine encounter? It's like a beautiful, unexpected meeting with God. You don't know when it might happen or how, but a moment kind of starts to develop, and then it's, you're in it, and somehow or another, it can be different every time, you just realize that God has a particular thought toward you, you know, and it's more personal than just how he loves everybody. It's like somehow, you can't define it, but you just know his thought towards you as an individual person. And it could take any shape or form. But the point is, consciously, you are aware that God is aware of you and you somehow know what his thought for you is. You know, something that he wants you to know about what he's like for you. Something that he wants you to know about how he sees you. Yeah? Divine encounters. They're real. And it's really exciting that they're real because, and it makes sense, because we're in a relationship with God and relationships have that component where at different points there are times when there's the opportunity. God can sneak up on you and you can realize consciously that he's consciously thinking towards you. And um, so I'm going to share a bit of story today out of Judges chapter 6, this bloke called Gideon. And in my life, I have, I don't know, in quite a lot of ways, I have had a personal identification with Gideon. It's like, man, I get you, <laughs> you know. Uh, and you'll see why maybe, like I just share some of my heart journey, maybe um, with some of Gideon's characteristics. And uh, like he's an unlikely pick, you know, for God to pick Gideon. And you might know Gideon's story a bit. But Gideon has a divine encounter, encounter like a beautiful unexpected meeting with God in which his eyes are opened and he gets to see and understand something otherwise unseen. So all that I'll talk about today is really summed up in those words as well. Handy, right? Fix your eyes on the unseen. Fixing your eyes, that takes, that's something on purpose. To fix your eyes, that's choose. To fix your eyes is like an intention that won't get easily distracted or knocked off course. And so whatever the unseen is, which I'll talk to you about in a sec, whatever the unseen is, it takes fixing your eyes. Like, this is like a determination. I need to hear and see and think about what's unseen. More, it's more important to you and me to fix your eyes and know what's unseen than what is physically, you know, evident, what is seen. Okay, so fix your eyes on the unseen instead of what? Instead of the seen. What is the unseen? Better question, who is unseen? And the Bible talks about that God is the invisible God. So who we, what are we fixing our eyes on? It's who. God, the invisible God, is more important that we learn you know, how to fix our eyes on him and his thoughts, what he is saying, his opinion about what is real, is reality. What pleases God? When God looks at you, what does he know? You know, when God looks at your neighborhood and your family situation, what does he say is real? You know, what are the options available to him? What cards has he got up his sleeve? You know? Um, 
That's what is unseen. It's God who is the unseen, and it's what God says about himself and about you and me that is the unseen. So it's God and the content of what he believes is true, which is reality. That is the unseen. We've got to find out what that is, and it's got to be our anchor, and we've got to be fixed on it so that you hear it, but then you don't forget it, or you forget it, and you go, that's okay, now I'm remembering it. You know, you just get back to it. It's true north. It's your compass point in life. What is unseen, but we've got to be fixed onto it instead of what is seen. Hey, this is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. You can trust me, nothing else is up on that screen, so here we go. Um, it says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. All right, over to Gideon, okay? Um, and hopefully we'll find us in Gideon, you know, and our encounter with God in him as well. But let's pray right now, because everything I'm going to talk about is based on actually believing that God is real. You know what I mean? We can kind of believe, but sort of not really believe, you know? Um, but we are believing believers, and all that I'm going to talk about today calls us to be believing believers. Okay? So everything I'm going to talk about is like thinking and acting as though, speaking, thinking, acting as though God really is real and he actually is with you right now in this building. Like, yeah, I know that. But no, he really is. <laughs> yeah, God talks to me. Yeah, but he really does. And he's right here now. We have an opportunity just to tune in. And um, that might sound kind of abstract in that, but one way or another, I believe tonight, you personally as an individual could go, I don't know how I know this, but I reckon God wants me to be thinking this thought or that idea. You're like, I don't know how he does it, but I'm pretty sure God is highlighting this idea in my heart right now. And it's probably not my neighbor, it's not my mate up the back, but for me, I know he wants me to think this. And I somehow know that when I'm thinking this thought, whatever it might be, I just know that I'm aligned with him, that he's thinking that same thought with me, and I'm doing that with him, and I'm going to believe what he believes. Is that awesome? So what we're going to do is just pray right now. It's very simple. And we're going to pray a prayer that we're believing. We're just going to pray a prayer, really knowing that he actually is here, and he is hearing us pray. And let's, let's pray, and uh, I'm going to ask that God would um, give a divine encounter you know, in some simple way. It doesn't have to be like seem more flash or exciting. It can just be like quiet and in your own thoughts. But you just know that God's brought those thoughts to you. I'm going to pray now. Um, you can just close your eyes if you like. I won't rush. And we'll just simply ask, would you join me in your heart? Ask, yeah, Lord, speak to me. However look, that looks like for me. Or, second best, please remind me of the last time a last moment that snuck on, up on me, a beautiful, unexpected meeting with God. Remind me of the last time I just knew you were filling me with your thoughts for me and your love or your emotion for me. Let's do that. We'll ask him to make that fresh and to meet us again. Our oh God, thank you that you're in the room. We, um, right now, we just position ourselves knowing that you really are. You are real and you love us. You have many thoughts toward us, and your thoughts are unending. Like David said, Father, he said, 
that if he could count your thoughts toward him as just a single man, they'd be like the grains of sand on the seashores of the world. So thank you that for each of us, you have thoughts about and toward and for us flowing day and night and emotion and desire and love and plans. And we just ask that you'd somehow open up our awareness and share some of those thoughts with us. You're there anyway, but we want to enjoy kind of somehow knowing what you're thinking about us personally right now, where we sit or stand. And I invite you to do that right now, God. And over this next half an hour, that you just meet with us, Lord. You would have a beautiful encounter with you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. So um, a couple of days ago, um, I just watched a movie. And I, it's like a dystopian sort of movie. Does anyone love or just hate those? <laughs> it's like a dystopia, I love them. There's something about it. It's like real morbid, right? And so dystopia, of course, is the opposite of a utopia. You know, human hearts craving for peace and all to be well and everything to find balance and lovely. But a dystopia is like usually set in the future, of course, and it's like uh, chaos or uh, desolation or maybe Earth's population is cut down to like a 20th of what it was or a or 1,000th or something like this. So I watched one of these um, movies, yeah, um, and it's like situations, bleak, you know, despair, no hope, and so I'm just going to read you one paragraph and kind of welcome you to Gideon's dystopia, because it's just like it, okay? Gideon looked around and he's like, oh my gosh, this is like that movie I saw the other day, <laughs> Not really. but um, it was horrible. So Judges chapter 6, verse 1. This is the backstory. This is what's happening in Gideon's day. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. This is a different people, an invading force. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Yeah? Like they are hiding in cracks in the mountains. These, uh, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. That's what their purpose was, to just kill everything. And any little seeds of hope breaking through the ground, they came to destroy that ray of hope. You know, that tiny food source, that little bit of nourishment. They came purposely to crush that, you know, and drive it home, the point home, and dominate. And the people of God were like hiding in intimidation and in full-on survival mode. They came up with their livestock, their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it, purpose. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Say, so, hey, tonight we're thinking about fix your eyes on the unseen. In this circumstance, oh, by the way, what is the scene? If the unseen is God, the invisible God, who is real and is here, but you can't see him with your physical eyes, but he's real. That's the unseen. What's the scene? Well, it's everything that's flesh and blood. You know what I mean? It's like who you are in your personality and your limitations and my limitations. It's 
what actually is happening, what you can see on the news, what's reportable and observable. It's, um, it's uh, you know, what actually is happening to you. It's like the sickness in your body or it's the, the problems that are happening. Um, that's the scene. It's the physical world. The unseen is what God is saying. The f- and so what's the scene here? I mean, it's like we're hiding in caves and there's massive vicious army that's damping out our life. That's the scene, you know, as in what is visible. If that's all Gideon has to go on, there is no hope. But Gideon can choose to anchor or fix his eyes on what is physically really happening, because it is real, okay, it is real. What he needs is to have the unseen God speak and say, yes, that's all true, this physical situation, but here's something also true, more true, at the same time true, but with more authority, something bigger. And that's exactly what happens. So I'm just going to quickly read Gideon's beautiful, unexpected meeting with God, his divine encounter. And that's down in chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizurite where his son Gideon was threshing with a wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That sentence is packed with the unseen, you know, with truths that you can't, you can't, you know, run some, <laughs> some test and come up with that. You can't, like, look around at yourself and go, Oh, yeah, of course, that's true. You can't. Without God stepping in and going, hello, I'm here too. You know, all this stuff in the physical is real. But without God saying, like pulling back in the curtain and going, da-da, I'm here too, I'm real. Without God saying, I'm the unseen and I'm here. This sentence is packed with the unseen. And Gideon gets to now go, what? There's more? There's an X factor? Is there an X factor? Is there a God factor? Is there a game changer here I didn't know about? You know, is there a whole other dimension that has more authority and more power than the real physical things that are happening to me. And he's Gideon suddenly gets this opportunity to glimpse in and hear what God is saying. And he comes from the unseen, invisible God, and God's saying, this is another angle on this whole situation. So check it out. This one tiny sentence, it's packed with unseen, you know, just bombs. You know. First he says, the Lord is. He's basically saying, I am. He's, he's, he's saying to Gideon, that, that's all true. The Midianites are who they say they are. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's wicked and it's evil. But he says, the Lord is. He's saying, I am God. Next is location. But where is God? The Lord is with you. The location of God is where you are. Don't we need to hear this, you know, out of the unseen, in the troubles and the problems that you're facing in me? We need to know that the Lord is with his location. He's with you. And now... He's revealed something about himself. Now he reveals something about this single, one single man, Gideon. He says, mighty warrior. He says, mighty warrior. Let's get quickly down to why I've related to Gideon in the past so much and currently. Um, and why that was a really surprising revelation. So Gideon gets back to God. And he says, because God tells him, you're going to save Israel. God says, in the strength that you have, go and save all of your people. 
And, God sa- and Gideon says, uh, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. So this is like, there's 12 tribes in Israel. Israel's made up like these 12 tribes. Sounds like some, movie, like some dystopian movie again, doesn't it? But there's 12 distinct tribes who live. Um, and Gideon's saying, one of those is Manasseh. He's saying, that's my clan, God. Just letting you know. Um, that's my clan. And he's saying, Manasseh is the weakest of all of those tribes. But then he gets really personal, very individual. And he says, I. He says, God, I am the least in my family. So Gideon's like of the smallest, weakest clan, and he is the least in his family. So if Gideon fixed his eyes on what's real, like, like what can be seen, and what everyone's saying about him, and what chances they have, zero. There's zero hope. There's no doorway forward, you know? There's no hope. Because ask anyone, and Gideon would say, oh, our, our clan's the weakest. Oh, Gideon, you're the least in the family. He's thought that his whole life. It's ingrained in him. You know, everyone's better than him. Other people have got it together better than him. There's no hope. But then the unseen God speaks something that otherwise is unknown and seems ludicrous because God says to this guy who's the weakest of the, the smallest of the weakest, God says, you're a mighty warrior. Rise up in the strength you have and go and save your whole nation. Isn't that epic? That's epic, right? This is, um, that's a game changer. That's like completely... Uh, out of the blue, uh, and completely not um, something he can depend on in the natural. So, fix your eyes on the unseen. When, when God did this to, spoke to Gideon in this way, and when he meets with us in divine encounter, it's like a fork in the road every time. Like we, we get to um, either believe what he's saying, and fix into what God is saying, or else continue to look around at what the problems are and believe what that's saying. Does that make sense? All right. I think I will. I did this this morning, but let's just pause right now for a moment, and we're just going to pray, and, um, and I'm just going to literally just give a little bit of space for you guys to ask in your heart, what is God saying to you, like, lately? What do you remember he has highlighted to you about who he is and about who you are and what he's called you to do. To Gideon, he said, I am God. And he says, I am here with you. He said, I am sending you to go and save my people, your people. And he said, you are, despite all evidence to the contrary in the physical, he says, you're a mighty warrior. You've got strength from me, go. That's what he said to Gideon. It'll be different for every single one of us. But I'm just gonna pray, and we're gonna pause just now for probably half a minute or a minute. A comfortable silence, okay? A comfortable silence. I'll give you space. And um, I'm going to pray and, and just ask God, say, God, please remind me of anything you have shown me as an individual person. This was to Gideon, one guy, not to, the whole, not to his whole clan. What's God saying to you? Not to our whole church, you know what I mean? Not to the whole church or this church, but to you where you're sitting. He knows you. He's for you and not against you. You know, he's got thoughts about you as an individual, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So what are those thoughts, you know? What has he shown you in the past? Even more, what might he want to say to you today, tonight?
about who he is and where he is in your life and about who he says you are and what, he, what has he sent you to do. Are you an encourager? Are you a teacher? Are you a defender of people who are overlooked? Are you a creator? Can you fix stuff? Who are you? When, the, when Father God says, this is who you are, daughter, this is who you are, son, what has he spoken to you? What's he speaking to you now? So I'm just going to give us 60 seconds. I promise you I won't start talking again in five seconds. I'm going to give you a chance to actually engage. I'm just going to pray now. Thank you, God, that in a simple way you can remind us. I thank you that your thoughts come. They feel like our thoughts. But often they're your gentle impressions. So I just pray you would bring memories now, and I pray that you would uh, bring ideas to just pop into our hearts and minds that come from the Holy Spirit. Help us to hear and know something that is unseen but true, something you say is real. We're ready to listen. We're like, really treasure your words to us, God. Who are you? Where are you in my life? Who am I? What have you sent me to do? What do you send me to do? Yeah, God, thank you for the things that you're reminding us of and fresh things that you just revealed to us. And thank you for the ways you're going to help us in the future, maybe even later tonight in communion time or next week. There are going to be moments that we can't plan, but you shape and make happen where we become conscious that you're really telling us that you're with us and who you are, where you're really telling us who we are, where you're really sending us. Like throughout our life, I just thank you, God, that you're going to be revealing this, God. And we choose to fix our eyes on the unseen. We choose to fix our eyes on the promises of God and your words to us as more important than the data we get, like looking around at the physical. Yeah, you are our life source and you are Lord. I thank you, God, that our problems are not Lord. Sickness is not Lord. You know, different philosophies are not Lord. Secular humanism is not Lord. Um, yeah, demonic forces are not Lord. Jesus Christ, you are Lord, and you are greater than them all. As a, as a family, as a church, as a group, we, like, we strengthen one another tonight to look to you and choose, God, to fix our eyes on you, to find out what pleases you, and to pay attention uh, in our divine encounters, those moments when we know what you want us to think, what you're saying to us. Yeah, and we want to just fix our eyes on that, Lord, and walk it out. Thank you, like Gideon did.
Thank you, Lord. I just invite your power to help us to do that. In Jesus' name. So good news. What did Gideon do? This divine encounter? You know, God is there. He's with him. And, and, and Gideon, who knew, is actually a mighty warrior. There's a fork in the road, I mentioned. We can go two ways. We can either go, whoa, that, that's incredible. And sometimes it can seem too much to really lock on to that kind of information. You know what I mean? Like lock on and stay with it through the challenges to it and everything. What God might whisper to you in your lifetime coming may seem like just too, um, too different than what reality of the world says. But we can choose, like Gideon does, to just fix our eyes on what God has said. Lock on, even though all the evidence to the contrary. Like Abraham, God has, the unseen God has spoke to him and said, you're Abraham and you're going to have um, children like this, you know, sands on the, on the seashore. If you know Abraham's story, he gets to like 100 years old and he still hasn't had his promised child, you know, that came from him and his, his wife. But then the angel of the Lord comes and said, next year it's going to happen. Sarah laughs. But then the next year at that time, a crying little baby, Isaac, the son of promise, has been born. But in Hebrews it says, Abraham um, did not waver in unbelief. It says he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. You know, that's the scene stuff, you know, the physical stuff. It's like, I'm as good as dead. I can't pass the age of having babies. Does it make sense? Like your problems and the challenges to whatever God says to you to do and who you are, um, they're all real things. But it's just that Abraham, Gideon, and now you and I, right, we listen to and we give more weight to what God says is going to happen and who you really are. That is more, there's more authority and more weight in it. So Abraham chose to believe what God said would happen, and then God, because of his faith, gave a miracle, and Abraham actually had a real baby, um, and his wife Sarah, when they're like so old. So what does Gideon do? He could just like stick with life as he knows it and go, no, I'm just super weak. I can't do that. And we're so oppressed. There's no hope. You know, like we're driven into cracks in the ground. Um, and that's the way it's going to stay. That's reality. He could have done, fixed his eyes on the scene. And then all of his people and all of their grandchildren and grandchildren would still have been, you know, hiding in the rocks. Does that make sense? God could have called others. There's this, um, God's love is still over Gideon. Yet he didn't walk out with God in relationship in overcoming and fulfilling his calling. But Gideon didn't do that. Gideon fixed his eyes into, into the unseen, despite all the evidence, like Abraham said, God has said this about me. God has said this that he's sending me. God said he's going to do this. And so I'm going to believe that, even though it's impossible. It's impossible, but I'm going to believe it. He fixed his eyes. I was like, I won't be distracted from this. I'm going to believe God on the unseen word of God. And then... We can't read all the details, but it's an epic story where God, um, God comes and confuses and completely overcomes this oppressing army uh, and sets the people of God free. It's awesome. It's amazing. And that is what can happen in your life and mine as we fix our eyes on the invisible God and what he says is true about you and what he's going to do. Testimony is really powerful, so I don't think I'll talk any longer, like in terms of t sharing stories, but I think that um, it's, it's powerful to be able to remember stories 
and share stories of what God has done in breaking through in your life. Um, I also want to encourage you, if God has spoken to you something tonight, like in the times we've been listening to the Lord, about who he is, what he's called you to be or do, um, to share that with somebody else. Um, we're going to move now to time of communion. And after communion, we've actually got, if you want, you can just go to communion to remember Jesus and what he's done. Um, we've got at least three people at the back, honey, where Louisa is, who uh, they love just listening to God and praying over people. Like, what is God's thought for you, you know? What's God saying about who you are? I like a prophetic word, which is to encourage, strengthen, and, you know, um, you. So there's a few people going to be up the back to pray, to help you in listening into what is God's unseen word for you that you can believe and the promises of God. So we just invite you. It's a totally volunteer basis. But if you like, you can go up and just say, hey, would you help me just listen to God? about what does he really believe about me? Who is he for me? You know, what is his plan for my life? And they're not saying, oh, we promise you that God will tell us, you know, <clears throat> all your secrets and you'll just get the map of your life. They're not saying that. They're not there for that. But they will listen, for, you know, to the Lord with you and pray over and encourage you. It's awesome. And it's free. No, it's just a free opportunity. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, it's a beautiful opportunity, but it's totally uh, up to you if you feel comfortable to do that. But just... Just go to do that if you, if you like. Um, let's have communion now, and I'm just going to simply pray. Let's praise God for Jesus. And yeah. Jesus, we thank you that you didn't stay at arm's length away from us, just embarrassed or rejecting us, but you decided to make our sins your enemy and make our brokenness your enemy. You came and you became sin on the cross. You became a curse on the cross. Instead of making us your enemy forever and rejected us, Lord, you, you love us. You eternally love us. And you decided to come and deal with the rebellion and sin and curse and brokenness that keeps us separate from you. So thank you, Jesus, that you came and on your cross, you took that all into your body and you got cursed you got separated, um, you were filled with despair, you were filled with death, spiritual death and physical death, so that we don't have to. And we thank you that you've put all of your life and innocence into us in an incredible swap on the cross. We give you your broke, our brokenness and you gave us your life. So we thank you for the cross. We thank you that... This uh, juice reminds us of your blood, that is your, your life given, your, your death for us. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We thank you, Jesus, that you are God, become a human being, and so you are fully human. And we thank you that as a human, you listen to the unseen God, the far, to Father, and you both decided that you would go all the way to the cross for us. It's not a question, Jesus, of whether you are loved by the Father. You are eternally. But in love, you took up a mission. Thank you, Jesus. To do the impossible. Yeah, and you carried the sin of the whole world on you. And Lord, just like Gideon heard your voice to go in the strength that you said you're giving to him. And he did it. Jesus, I thank you. you. You listen to the Father. 
you had your assignment. I thank you, you went all the way to the cross. And you really did take all of our sin, all of our curse. And I thank you, God, that every person in the room right now who, who has this weight, this condemning emotion, this condemning thought about something they've been, something they've done or something they wrestle with, I thank you, Jesus, that you already took that, uh, whether it, it's um, guilt or whether it's um, torment or whether it's, yeah, anything and pain even, you took it in your body already on the cross. And I thank you that one day you're going to take it out of our experience totally and we're going to trust you and fix our eyes on the unseen until that day. We know that you're coming through, God. We know that you're coming all the way through Jesus. So we just celebrate, Jesus, that you fixed your eyes on the unseen. As a man, what the Father's saying, you watched, you listened, and you walked in it. You believed God, and you were raised from the dead. And today, our sins have been lifted. So, Lord, I just pray right now that you would give faith again that your blood has washed us, made us innocent and clean again. Everyone who simply trusts desperately but truly that what you did there on the cross worked <laughs> and you took our guilt away. Lord, I just pray you'd release peace now to all of us and cleanse our conscience, Lord. Give us power to live for you instead. We thank you in Jesus' name. Guys, feel free to, um, when you're ready, just come up and grab some cracker with the juice and remember Jesus.